Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sales and Marketing Summit. I'm joined here today to talk to Jason Fishman in this exciting fireside chat. He's with Digital Niche Agency, and we're going to be talking a little bit about something that the freight and logistics industry for a long time has really been focusing on, and that's developing a marketing strategy and using new digital technologies such as content marketing, blogging, white papers, a little bit of advertising in the Google world over on social, and of course the role of knowing your audience and optimizing all of your campaigns by looking back at the data. So Jason, thanks for joining me today, and I'm excited to kick off our little discussion here with you today. Absolutely excited to be here. Thanks for having me on and joining everyone. Looking forward to talking about strategies that produce tangible results using all the tools you just mentioned. That's right. That's what it's all about, you know, and I've always talked to people in marketing that, you know, you really have two schools of thought when it comes to marketing, driving leads and really driving awareness. But in order to do that, you got to put a little bit of thought into it, right? And that's that strategy part. You know, you see a lot of people out here tweeting and TikToking and Snapchatting and doing all these cool new digital marketing things. But if you think about it, it's really those fundamentals that still matter. And those are sometimes shiny objects, but they can be effective if they have the right purpose in your overall strategy. So, you know, when we're out here talking to uh, shippers or, or, or we're talking to freight brokers about Sonar, for example, you know, we always want to make sure that we understand who they are and what their problems are. But before we even get into that, which is the messaging aspect, we have to talk about maybe what we're trying to achieve and what our core strategy is and what is the purpose of our marketing plan. So when you're engaging with new clients, especially in that outsourced environment, you get that special time and place to really ask them those key strategic questions. So maybe when you're in front of a business owner, what do you get them to think about when it comes to their strategy? Great question, and I love how we're focusing on strategy first. I'll often see founders, business owners, marketers want to attack a direct response conversation. How can I see you know numbers tomorrow? And it really all starts with the plan. And like you mentioned, what we're going to be measuring together. If we don't establish those things, the, the marketing team, uh, the marketing campaigns themselves can go in a different direction than what's actually thought from the overall uh, growth, the overall business model for, for the year. So I, I've built a system called the 8-Point Marketing Plan, written about in Forbes, lead workshops on it. It starts very research heavy. Industry overview and competitor marketing audit are the first two sections. And we always find new items because we're, we're looking for real-time data. What's happening here, you know, today, this week, this month, as it's drastically different than six months ago, 18 months ago in, in most verticals and business plans, marketing plans we see often date that far back. So first getting a glimpse of what's happening in the industry, what, what competitors are using to actually drive their performance, their awareness, their leads, their, their conversions uh, as a whole, and kind of stand on their shoulders of success. You know, they, they, they leave clues. So which social channels they're using, which ad platforms they're using, the type of creative and messaging that's getting the most engagement. It's all lined out there, and it's what your target audience are seeing. They're physically getting, you know, engaged, presented with this content on a day-to-day -day basis. So without having understanding of what's coming across their feeds on, on their devices, kind of shooting in the dark. So I really like to start the conversation there build out the framework uh, thereafter, audiences, marketing channels, creative, and speaking into the goals with projections, speaking into the goals with numbers, with algorithms, starting with impressions, starting to clicks, then to conversions. That way, if something's not working, we could pinpoint where. We don't just throw it out and say, hey, 
Facebook lead form ads didn't work, Google didn't work, you know, we're, we're moving on a week in, two weeks. We could see, you know, hey, they're getting a good click-through rate, but the conversion rate's not there. Maybe we add another landing page. Maybe we add some more frequency in the follow-ups in the email, like you mentioned, and really look to put measurements around the answers that the founders give us in that conversation as the only way to, to measure is with numbers. So we want to be able to have some type of gauge on whether we're hitting it or whether we need to make further optimizations from there. Yeah, you know, and I think that's a good first place to start, right? And you may lay out this framework of saying, hey, this channel has this purpose. Our goals in this channel are X, Y, and Z. As an example, you know, when you're talking about the difference of, you know, going after a LinkedIn advertising campaign versus investing in search engine optimization. You know, it doesn't mean you just are stuck doing one or the other. You really just have to step back and really ask yourself, what is the purpose of this channel? And, you know, I've always said that once you've established those purposes, you set the right expectations, right? You can't just say, I'm going to turn on content marketing that is you know, keyword rich that is going after these keywords that I want to rank for in Google. And then as you said, tomorrow start getting results. You really have to start putting all of those elements together, document it, and then we're going to start filling it in with the right messaging. And that's that audience development. And I know both of you and I kind of ascribe to sort of this storytelling B2B aspect of marketing. And largely today that's done through content, whether that's through blog posts, white papers, case studies, but even in your advertising or your website construction, your audience has to be at the center of anything you do. It's no longer about beating your chest and saying we're number one or we're the best. People want to know that you have created a business that can solve their problems. And so when you understand and identify those individual audiences, like we did for Sonar, we know that we want to reach freight brokers. We know that we want to reach asset-based and asset-like carriers. We know that we want to reach companies in the retail and CPG and automotive space. And so we start to really think about and ask ourselves, what are their problems that they're facing day to day in relation to what we offer? And they're trying to reduce cost and find capacity. And so the we develop a bunch of seed words, as I call them, and we do some keyword research, and we have that be our guide from a, a hierarchical, categorical way in how we put together a content plan. And then we move that into production. And when we speak to their problems, and our website has that information, our ads have that information, our emails have that information, we really start to then get and crack through the noise, because there's so much going out there. And if you're not able to speak with empathy, and to their problems and able to add some value to their lives with your solutions, it's really hard to generate leads. So that really gets us, you know, to our next track in this marketing section. You know, we really need to start to understand what is the way today that B2B companies, especially in freight and logistics, are using marketing today to drive leads and awareness. And is marketing a failure if you're not able to, you know, generate inbound leads today? What do you think? Great question. So much to unravel there, starting with the target audience. I want, to, I want to start, you know, there, as you mentioned, and I like to break target audiences down to the persona level with, uh, you know, a name and putting together this fictional individual that encapsulates the whole audience you're going after. So I could say, yeah, Steve would respond to this type of creative. And this is exactly where they go online. That's what they do on the weekends. Here's who influences them in their life. Here are their, their peers where they get you know buying decisions from. 
as well for, for their business. And that really starts to bring everything to life for me. It starts being far more clear in the channels, the frequency, the messaging, all of the factors that are going to actually convert Steve. And we then talk about content, uh, want to get into advertising as well in, in the sense that it's a traffic source. So if I break it down into content marketing and advertising, content marketing is the funnel. And the, the reason for this is it typically takes seven or more touch points before conversion occurs. It's not so much a game of checkers where someone gets to your site and, hey, they put in their information, they're done, as much as they see it, they tell themselves they're going to come back, life happens, they get busy you know, with other business needs, and they, they drop off. We get bombarded with different advertisements, different content, different logos just driving home every day that can allow us to forget what we saw uh, online for a few minutes that, that day. So we can you know, have the same creative, the same advertising, the same piece of content over and over again, or we could add more depth. We could provide that target audience value. You know, for B2B, if we're providing checklists, white papers, videos, how-tos, things that can be used for internal business conversations, things that can be used um, that, that are actually uh, valued by, by the audience you're sending it to is going to increase the engagement level, increase the you know, perceived uh, you know, brand engagement um, that, that the target audience is having with you. So the likelihood they're going to convert goes up and up and up the further and further they get down the funnel. You can then look at various traffic sources to drive into that funnel and know the exact journey that you're going to be taking those prospective clients down. Uh, can look at paid ads. I mentioned, you know, Facebook lead form ads. Google is obviously a top channel here and being able to have very specific keywords mid to low funnel. When I say the funnel up tops awareness, that goes to consideration, intent before conversion. Uh, I actually shoot for lower metrics of the funnel with uh, advocacy, peer-to-peer -peer marketing, uh, and, and second transactions, ongoing business. Uh, so Nothing better than word of mouth and referral leads, that's right. Absolutely. It, it really is the ultimate. If I look at buying decisions for me, for my business, it's usually recommendations I get from others, exactly as you're saying. So you want your content to, to stimulate that. It's not so much what you're saying, uh, but uh, what you're able to get your audience to then share with their friends, family, peers. Well, you know, I, it was funny about almost eight years ago now, you know, I started working in this industry. I had no idea what freight was all about. I didn't know how important it was to the economy. But I think like most people in freight, if you didn't come from it, or maybe uh, it's in your blood, which is uh, quite often here at Freight Waves and in the industry, um, you know, you don't really uh, understand its importance and you get addicted to it, right? And so at Saracis, it, at that time, there wasn't that much content marketing. There wasn't that much search engine optimization. And, you know, in order to convince the bosses at the time, hey, let's go do something different than anybody else is doing, you know, I had to be able to explain what its purpose and what its role was. And I told them, hey, look at, the, look at it like this. Here's some search engine analysis that says nobody's ranking for these keywords, but there's actually searches for them. So I'm using data as my proof to justify what I should do. And I said, the way we're going to do this is a lot like when you, you know, become a new 
uh, entrant into the job market as a college grad. You know, you're going to have your first salary and it's going to pay you a certain amount of money and largely throughout the length of your career, 30 years or more, you're going to, you know, increase that by not a huge percent. And so the smart people realize in order for me to retire one day comfortably and follow the Dallas Cowboys around with my wife in a Winnebago, I'm going to need some cash or some equity to get this. And that's what search engine optimization or even nurturing content marketing over time can do for you. And so if you can not only use advertising sort of as that salary, that way to pay the bills and keep that steady or maybe even incrementally increase it as you learn some things. But as, if you're doing that in parallel with your search engine optimization, you're going to be putting in deposits and like that 401k that interest is going to compound and eventually your organic search is going to become your biggest converting and most profitable ROI channel because people are finding your solutions in market. But in order to support that, because so many people are doing that these days, it wasn't, it wasn't as competitive in search in this space in 2015. And it's a much more competitive now. You've got to be able to kind of, you know, systemize that content marketing plan and those processes and production and figure out how to scale that so you can meet your Maslow hierarchy of marketing needs. And you can layer on things like case studies, videos, podcasts, advertising you can analyze things and then scale it up and really have that robust marketing and it could be called content marketing or maybe we can even take that phrase away and just call it marketing because i think that's all it is these days you can really have that robust marketing where you're doing everything you can that's mirroring your strategy and then you're at that place where you almost become a data analysis where your job is so systemized and so scaled that it's like okay now we're just doing little dials here and there and i think that's a big part that people forget about is that you're creating a lot of activity in data so maybe Tell us a little bit about a use case or a story that you've had with a customer, Jason, where you kind of used analytics as a way to get to that next level and really start increasing revenue. Sure, sure. And Adam, great breakdowns. Hearing about deposits, the hierarchy of needs, not references I use on a day-to-day -day basis, and I'm going to be quoting you on that because of how, how important it is. And looking at the timelines it takes to rank on organic search, being able to have a visibility there with paid search right away, you know, what that means long-term, being able to have a strong foundation. And yeah, for our clients, we're generally working with 40 to 50 at a time, um, over, over 400 to date. We have to rely on the analytics to determine what to do next, uh, or even just to continue at that in the sense of anything that hasn't been proven with the reports is really just a test. It's really just an assumption. It's really just what we wanna try out first. Until it's validated in those metrics, until we're able to see the conversions, um, it, it's really just a, you know, a hypothesis that we're rolling out. So I've had clients running on display advertising networks where we'll start with a wide range of websites. And you'd think, hey, industry specific websites, let's just list those out. Let's build a white list. We only want to advertise on those sites. And in some cases that works. In other cases, we've seen putting that wider net and then optimizing towards pockets of performance can show us results that we never thought were possible. So we'll see some of the top websites to include you know, weather.com, 
or just very generic type sites, top sites, when you look at how much traffic that they have, uh, but, but you're reaching the user at a different point, not when they're necessarily you know browsing the headlines for the day on a site they visit often, uh, but, but kind of just uh, um, looking at something as pastime and then something stands out to them. Um, I'm not saying everyone go out and advertise on generic sites. What I'm saying is, uh, you know, broaden your targeting enough in the early stages, whether it's the audience, whether it's the placement, the channel that the placement's within, whatever it may be. So you can let the numbers tell you where you're getting the actual results. And then optimize Not your gut or just that. anecdote, right? <laughs> exactly. We, we saw uh, the top results on another campaign for a real estate site. And we would have never included it in the targeting. You know, take freight as an example, real estate. However, it kind of makes sense where individual purchase, uh, outside of budget, business purchase, investment within budget, suddenly, hey, I'm going to convert on that. You know, it's, it's, you know, we can make sense of it later from a psychological level. But what I would recommend around that is, you know, start broad, let the analytics tell you where to go and be able to really refine once you know what's continuing to perform for you. That's right. You know, and I think um, in my role, as an example, as a practitioner of marketing in, in freight and logistics and having done that for nearly a decade, I think one of the ways that the industry's done very well, and let's say maybe with the freight broker or 3PL industry, it's boots on the ground sales, right? It's just pure brute force outbound calls. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think we should continue to do those kinds of things. But increasingly, it's really, really tough from a BD or business development standpoint to crack into those inboxes, to get their attention, to get them to reply back. And so when you have this intimate relationship with your sales force, not only are you helping them match up their efforts with your campaigns or your messaging or your overall strategy, but you're also really collaborating from a feedback loop type of uh, mentality. And, you know, we can't be a, a separation of church and state between marketing and sales. More and more today, our entire lives are being taught how to be individual influencers and marketers. And there's so much going on in the world. There's so much getting our attention. And when a BD team and a BD manager can work together to augment inbound leads and uh, sort of this middle ground, which I call really business intelligence, like using Zoom info to find contact information and then supporting that by LinkedIn ads along with a call campaign, which we're doing every day here at Sonar. Then there's this magical thing called Kismet. You start to say, well, why are, why are things happening? Well, it's because you preordained it, right? You smartly said, my target audience is X. That's my strategy. And we want to achieve Y. They're, they care about a, B, and C. I'm putting ads to target those specific companies and by their job title in LinkedIn. I'm creating collateral and different funnel parts of, of the funnel content to speak to them. I'm telling my BD team, here's the list of Zoom info contacts and you're gonna cold call them. And something happens when you go after that so, you know, with that concerted collaborative effort, we start to get results and you're like, well, why do we have so many carriers now as customers? It's because you thought through it and you really worked together to make it happen. And so, Jason, um, we I think we went through the whole marketing gamut here in a short period of time. I want to thank you for joining us today for this great fireside chat at the Sales and Marketing Summit here brought by FreightWaves. And uh, our audience really appreciates your outsider insights to help some of our inside the industry freight and logistics folks achieve a little bit more with their marketing. 
My pleasure. Love talking marketing. Welcome a warm chat anytime and uh, love the ideas you're putting out there. Thanks so much.